Jesus is living in us in increasingly wonderful ways. We don't fully understand it. Believe me, we don't fully understand. But if we did fully understand, we'd be reducing God to our understanding. And I hope you can understand that is not a great idea. Okay, so it's like any way that I understand them, thank God. Any way you understand, thank God for that. But I'm telling you, we see glimpses, we see in part. I want to, uh, uh, an area prayer meeting at Agape Fellowship this Thursday night at 6 Thursday. You're welcome to come. Multiple churches getting together to pray for unity. You could be a part of it. A number of people have been baptized in water in the last few weeks. The water's there. It's warm. It's clean. I'm prepared to go in after, after service if, if that's you. And I just want to declare to you again, here is why I believe that we're doing this. There is a way that God is compelling us to identify with his death, burial, and resurrection, that resurrection life. It's why we're pushing into communion again and again. It's why we're pushing into this. There's a way that he's speaking, and he's saying... You are mine and I'm in, I'm yours. I'm in you and you're in me. And in me, the old man is dead. Yes. And, and there's a way he's speaking to hearts and he's saying, identify. Identify. That's where your identity is. Stop identifying with your memories of addiction, your memories of troubles, your memories of abuse, your memories of failure. Stop letting that be your identity. In Jesus' name. So, and I know there's a bunch of things going on here, so this is like, you don't have to. Today may not be your day. No pressure. But step toward Jesus today. Step in Him. Step toward Him. So this, uh, this is a redeeming love scripture. I'm going to read it because I want to uh, share a story. And I'm going to guess that I'm probably going to go till about 10 after 11, but maybe not. I'm, I'm going to try and be right in that ballpark. Because I feel like I should, and I think we've got work to do, etc. So, um, if you were baptized in water, by the way, and if God has given you, I, we sure have felt God all over people, okay? So, God's touching you, and we know it, and, and bringing transformation. A lot of great stuff is happening. Please feedback testimonies to us. It isn't for us. It isn't for us to make the name of ACF famous. It's to, it's to proclaim Jesus. Jesus is working. That's who we testify to. Please testify. Testify. Somebody needs your testimony. God changes. He, we, we sung it today. God raises the dead. Hallelujah. There was a dead man here. God raised that dead man from the dead in Jesus' name and brought me back to life and brings people back to life. In Ephesians 3.14, Paul's declaration and prayer, it's a mix of those two things. And he says for the church, and I want you to hear it because it's a, it's a powerful word. For this reason, I bow my knees. He's bowing his knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ for a reason, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His, 
His Holy Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. This is for every Christian. That Christ Jesus may dwell by the Holy Spirit in your hearts by faith. That you, you, all of us, people who like us who believe in Jesus, that you, you being rooted and grounded in love, is that you? If it's you, say amen. amen. You can do better. If it's you, say amen. amen. Come on. He rooted and grounded in love. And if that's not your reality, maybe you need to get in the water and identify with Jesus Christ dying for you, being raised from the dead, giving you that same spirit so that you come back to life in the life of the spirit. Don't tell me you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you speak in tongues. Tell me you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you walk in power. Hallelujah. And I speak in tongues a lot. But I'm believing for increasing power in the Spirit to bring Jesus to people and bring people to Jesus. He died for them so He could have them now and forever. Being rooted and grounded, He says, in love and may be able to comprehend comprehend, take it in, in a deeper way, comprehend with all the saints, the width, the length, the depth, and the height, the width, the length behind and before me, the depth, what I'm standing on, and the height, the heaven above heaven, the incomparable love of God, to know the love, to know this incomparable, immeasurable, unstoppable, unshakable life-giving, death-crushing love of Jesus Christ. And you may be filled with the fullness of God. God's redeeming love. And Ruth, if anybody is the prototype of it, and this is story time, so let me share a few of the scriptures and let me do story time in Jesus' name. Church, Ruth is a prophetic type of you and me. Ruth is a foreigner who's brought to a new place and brought into, brought from a place where there was death, a place where her heart was broken, a place where there was foreign gods and foreign things and bad stuff and brought completely into the fullness of what God had. That's a picture of the body of Christ. That's a picture for you and for me. Ruth was a woman. The Bible, Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance. But in appearance, she was a woman from a place called Moab. A place where God had done some blessing. A place where Mo, Moses was buried. Good things have happened. Bad things happened in Moab. Promises were given to Moab. Moab and Israel often found themselves at odds. David sent his parents to Moab when Saul was chasing him around trying to kill him. He put his parents under the king of Moab. So there's some kind of an affiliation back and forth that would happen between them as nations. So the story begins, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there's no kings yet, but there's going to be kings, and Ruth probably is the forerunner or the bridge to going from judges to going to kings in many ways. So because her great-grandson is going to be the second king and the great king, that Jesus is born into that family, a fulfillment of those prophecies, 
Somebody from you, David, is going to come and he will be the forever king. And, and God wove himself into that plan and wove this foreigner into that plan. And he weaves many foreigners into his plan. Rahab was woven into his plan. Lots of people are woven into, and crazy acts are woven into the plan. So there was a famine in the land. It's very difficult. And a certain man of Bethlehem, his his name is Elimelech, in Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. And so here we see... uh, like a drawing, you know, whatever. And this this is like an artist's rendition of, there they go, goodbye. And it never occurred to me the possibility that they were led by God. It never That never occurred to me in reading this story until this morning. As I'm thinking about this story and I thought, what if they were led by God? I don't know. Because many people, if you've been a Christian, how many have been a Christian for more than 10 years? So all those with hands up have seen people come and go in the church. Okay, we've seen them come, we've seen them go. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you had bad thoughts about that, ever. Like ever. Because probably all the hands would be up, maybe. At least some of the time. Not all the time, but maybe some of the time. And maybe they'd have bad thoughts about you. Some of the time, maybe. Maybe not. But I know some of the time, stuff happens. And people do people stuff. And so off they go. And many times I've heard it, I feel like God's telling me. I remember when I left the church and I told the pastor, I feel like God's telling me. And you know what? He was. But the pastor didn't think so. But, but it's okay. And God told me, that's okay. You're supposed to know. He didn't have to know. You have to know. So that's, it's really can be pretty simple. Anytime we get lured into judging people, we got a problem. The name Elimelech means God is my king king. The name Naomi means, that's his wife, means my joy. And they've got two kids, Malon and Kilion. And one of them, Malon, his name means sickness. The other one means complete. And don't ask me to make sense of it because I'm not trying to today. But off they go. And they go to this place, which is just over the river. So they're going to go across the river and then they're going to go to Moab. It's not far, really not far. It might be it's several days' journey, but it's not far. And they make an, uh, a new life in a place other than the promised land. And they're there for a little bit. And Moab's roots, Moab, Moab has some tough root issues. Moab is like this is, in this time, possibly 11 or 12 generations previously, Abraham... Abram at that time and Lot, his nephew, are in this area. And they have so much stuff that that all their servants are starting to bicker. And Abram takes the high road and says, take whatever you want. And he winds up taking Sodom and Gomorrah and the plain around it and saying, I'll take all my stuff there. He sees with his eyes and stuff. It's not good. I'm not preaching about that today. So, but he winds up in a mess. And out of that mess, he winds up with a son named Moab. So that's where Moab comes from. This, this. Sometimes Israel and Moab. And within, within eight, ten generations, there can be 100,000 people. And just trust me on that, they weren't doing birth control. It, 
It doesn't, it doesn't take much to do it. That, that actually would be working in normal averages of peoples that don't do birth control. It would easily be that many people. Moab can become a lot of people. Israel can become a lot of people. But there they are, and, and the boys probably leaving in their early teens have now grown up enough and they get married. And they're making a life there. But then Elimelech dies, Malon dies, Killian dies. And now Ruth, I'm just telling you, if ever a person felt like my, what I thought the plan was is in the grave, her plan's in the grave. been very difficult and so just like the uh, just like the scripture says and there they they have to deal with it three widows all there together in the land of Moab 10 years have gone by and they've got to sort it out like what am I supposed to what exactly am I supposed to do I think I went there sorry there what am I supposed to do? They all died. She says, I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going to go back. Now, you know people, right? You know going back, right? You, you, I might have an idea about that. It can be great or it can be kind of tough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You can be well received or you can be poorly received. You can have people saying, I told you not to go. Stuff like that. I suppose there's a possibility that, that God could use you, somebody saying to somebody else, I told you not to do it. But I really doubt it. Okay, I really don't think that, that works very well. I mean, it's a re, it could be a reality. I don't know. Here's what I feel confident of. A redemptive God is always calling people home to his home, a home that he has for them, a home that he wants to give them. I'm not confident the people of God always want to make our home the home that God wants to make for everybody else. It's a challenge for us. They get hungry. They got to be fed, right? Stuff, stuff, they have needs. But I hope that's our heart because I know that's his heart. I know that's his heart. And I believe that's a heart that's growing in us and stretching in us and getting bigger and bigger. He's calling them home. She feels a need to go home. By her own words, she'll say she's bitter. And I don't know if bitter means bitter, angry, miserable, or if bitter just means brokenhearted. Or both. But she's, she's bitter. She doesn't have any hope that she's going home to get better. But she's just going home to where she has better memories. She says goodbye to her two daughter-in-laws, but they say, no, we want to go with you. And And... People that have expounded on this, they say a dialogue begins between these daughters. And she, she begins to explain. Do you understand that you're young? I can't give you a husband. I can't give you, I can't give you a life. Do you understand? I can't even guarantee the people there will be nice to me after I come back, let alone be nice to you. 
You're a foreigner. Sometimes bad things happen. Don't do it. Stay here. You know people here. You have family here. Stay here. And Orpah turns and with tears and says goodbye. But Ruth says, I'm not going, I'm not going back. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Listen to her words. Entreat me. Allow me. Help me. Encourage me. Don't stop me from being with you. I love you. Relationships. We have to love because relationships are a vehicle for redemptive love to flow through. We have to love. And love is costly and love is challenging, but love is the only way. God is love. God so loved he gave. What is the cross? It's a love message. A costly love message. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I'm not sure if I have a home to go back to. I'm not sure what shape that home is in. Will you lodge? I will lodge. Your people will be my people. If they don't like me, I will be here with you. I will be there with you. Where you die, your your God will be my God. Your God will be my God. And I believe Ruth means it. I believe she's seen something, tasted something that said, I want God. Might not make sense to anybody, but it makes sense to her. I want God. I've seen God through you. And somehow that's part of what makes me think it's possible that God led them there. That they were a beautiful couple. Elimelech and Naomi were a beautiful couple. And did something that didn't make sense to a lot of people. I just think it's a possibility. And I know Ruth saw God with her and in her. Where you die, I will die, and there I w- will I be buried. The Lord do so to me more also if anything but death parts you and me. It's not a common thing for a daughter-in-law to speak like that to a mother-in-law. Let's just say they can love each other and everything, but it's, that's not like, that's like the kind, of, the kind of words you'd use if your life is transformed. If you are like, no, you don't understand. I am, I am impacted to the, to the core. Something about what has happened has changed me forever. And I will face anything to maintain it, to walk in it. Now, to me, it sounds a lot like what Christians ought to be saying. Some reiterated, but very much alike verbiage to God. You've changed me. You've won me. God's redeeming love. And a bunch of people, sometimes people that are supposed to be of the house of faith, struggle to see it. The older brother with the younger brother in the prodigal. 
Jesus reaching Samaritans. Oh, let's go to Samaria. Let's take a vote. Twelve no votes, one yay vote. Jesus has a vote. He says, no, we're still going. Let's go. (laughs) So they come back there. And it's it's been about ten years, so a lot of people remember her. Naomi. Shh, don't even say it. Don't say my name. Call me Mara. My name, I'm bitter. I went out full and I came back empty. That's where she's at. And Ruth is not saying, what am I chopped liver? <laughs> Ruth, is just, Ruth is just there loving, loving her and loves her. A young woman, but loves her and loves her God. God's redeeming love. A bunch of people, eyes, they're not seeing it, but it's right there in front of them. Redeeming love is right there. Pretty quickly. And so, you know what a wrecking ball is? And you know what a life-altering trial might be? You have an idea what a life-altering trial is? It's a wrecking ball. When the wrecking ball comes, and it's come to many of us, In some way, the wrecking ball comes. Naomi's met God, or Ruth has met God there. And the fruit of it unfolds in this story. You and I have to meet God right there. If you're anything like me, when the wrecking ball comes, if you don't meet God, you cover it up and protect it. You're not trying to hide You're just trying to not hurt anymore. But Jesus loves rising from the dead in your inner grave. He loves rising from the dead in you. He loves flexing his muscles in you by the Spirit. And he'll do it again, but our hearts have to be open. And it's more than words. So why does God allow stuff? Like I'm not, I'm not prepared to answer that in a way that I'm going to make very many people happy. But I'm going to tell you what I found my answer is. So I could know you the way I want to know you. Because I had an option and, and I chose bitterness first. And some of my heartbreaks, I first chose bitter before I chose him. But in that place, bam, the wrecking ball comes in. And the wrecking ball in my life, what it turned out to do some of the time, particularly as I, as I was a Christian, is it exposed dead stuff. I didn't particularly enjoy that. But boy, is it amazing. It is amazing that God will come in there and live if you'll let him in. You can sit. When that stuff opens up, don't run from it. Sit with God there and let him unpack it. Let him him unpack it. Let him push your heart towards God. Pull your heart open to God. Let him come in and move around in there. 
There's a man of God in your life. There's a woman of God in your life that's rising up in that very spot by the power of the Spirit if we'll let it happen, if we'll come into agreement with what He's doing. Bam! And we don't like it. And then God fills us. And then God meets us. And then God lives in that place. And if I'm a garden, the best places in this garden are those places. If, you can, if that makes sense to you. The, the stuff that needs to grow, that brings forth fruit and life, grows best in those spots. If I didn't open them up, there wouldn't be much growth going on. And they have a chance to kind of blow through it because that's what I'm going to do just to, because I feel like I should. She, quickly they're there and they are hungry. Mom, Naomi, I, I'm going to go glean. I'm going to go glean. We at least can eat because it's barley harvest. She goes, she quickly winds up in a relative's field. In that field, they see her and they're already, the word is out that she's brought back a Moabite woman, a, a daughter-in-law whose husband also died and they're here and they've got nothing but they're back and she came back because she's devoted her life to God and to her mother-in-law. They honor that. There's people that feel that's honorable. There's some people that feel it's not. They feel like I wouldn't want her in my house. So they're, both those feelings are there in that community. It's a reality of it. But Boaz the relative of Naomi's deceased husband says, Ruth, I've heard about you. You're safe in my field. Glean here. Drink our water. When it's, when it's lunchtime, come eat our food. It's okay. You've come to bless your mother. You've come to believe in God, and I bless that. And he's the most eligible, eligible bachelor in Bethlehem. <laughs> he is. He's a rich guy. He's a rich guy. He's a little old for her, but he's well off. His fields are prospering, but he hasn't seen in all Israel, he hasn't seen the woman he wants to marry. But a bunch of them have probably tried. Okay, so. But that quickly yields to the harvest is complete and they now have a storehouse because he has blessed her and left sheaves and stuff for her. So she's brought home, first day she brought home 30 pounds of of uh, barley, um, threshed out barley. That's a lot. And they continue to bring back. So shit, they've got food for a while. Shit, they can eat. We can eat. That We're not worried about that today. Naomi looks at Ruth and says, Holy Spirit's breathing. Could there be more? <laughs> Could there be more? How do you feel about that guy, Boaz? How do you feel about him? And basically she says, and I'm condensing for time purposes, I got a plan. Why don't you propose to him? And they, they go through the details. There she is in the field. Look, and, and so he talks to her. Ruth or Naomi hatches a plan with her, tells her what it is and everything. On, on their moving, 
She comes when he's sleeping at the harvest. He's by himself and he's got a blanket over him. And she told him, uncover his feet. Don't jump on him. Just uncover his feet and lay there. Lay there and just wait. And it'll all work out. And he wakes up. Who are you? Like, what are you doing here? I'm Ruth. Remember me? <laughs> like, it's, so, it's like, bring us under your covering. That's a proposal. Okay? So that's a proposal. And it's like, uh, I don't know if there's any guys here that got proposed to, but maybe there is. But anyway, and you can, you could, maybe you could do that. And he's like, okay, I'll do, I'll, I'll do it. Except there's a glitch. There's somebody that has the first right. And if he wants the property, he gets you and your mother-in-law with the property. That's the way it works. But I believe he'll take care of you if he says he wants it. Okay? Off they go. He meets them in the square. He calls some other people to be around, be witnesses. And he says to the guy, it's come to my knowledge that Ruth is not able to work her land. And so she's claiming the right to near relatives that they would buy the land and take care of her. Do you want it? Naomi says. Naomi, Naomi says that. He says that in regard to Naomi. Do you want the land? He's also got, this guy's also well off. And he's got a family and everything. But he says, yes, I want that land. That'd be great. But he says, I got to tell you, because you might not be thinking it. I just got to tell you, you can take it. But you get Ruth with it. Like, what? You get Ruth with the land. So, And she's a young widow. And you need to take her in as a second wife or whatever it is and produce a family with her because that's how their heritage, that heritage is still part of their family if they can reproduce and that's part of your job. He immediately says, it will ruin, it will ruin me, it will pollute my family. No, I don't want it. I guess you should take it, right? Because you're not married. And I don't know, maybe he was married to a jealous woman. I don't know what the story is. But he looked at Ruth and he saw pollutant. He saw ruin. Boaz looks at Ruth and says, Hooray! I get Ruth. So he sees it. I'm just telling you that God's heart towards some messed up broken, unwanted people is, hooray, get them. That's the heart of redeeming love. When Jesus spoke about inviting people to that supper, a great supper, it was a parable, and there were people that said, I don't want to go. They made excuses. I believe in this hour, in this day, in this season, God is looking for a redemptive church that's willing to redeem in a way to embody redemption in a way that correctly reflects His redeeming love and His name as Redeemer. In that spirit, I bless, again, I bless these to go to people that they would receive them with love and not with religion. And we are capable of religion. And it is not the message we want to give people. 
So in Jesus' name, be our first love and then love them through us today. We have communion right now and so if we can, and maybe this is for you. I, I trust, I hope that God is speaking to some hearts this morning. That God is reminding you of His redeeming love for you. Perhaps you're that one that needs redeeming love because maybe you do identify with, I knew what I should have done and should do and I didn't do it. And I made a mess. Because maybe that's really what happened with Naomi and Elimelech. I don't know. But maybe it's just been hard. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're watching online to make fun of us. But what I'm telling you, we believe God loves you. We believe He's a great Redeemer. And that in a way that doesn't make sense to the natural mind, He wants people so much that the Bible says, God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to open a way. And that way is that Jesus would be his death. Take this bread I'm giving you. The last supper. This bread is my body broken for you. John 3.16 is telling us that's what that's about. It's reminding us that's what it's about. Jesus in those words is saying I'm given for you. I'm the Lamb of God that's come to take away the world. I'm the bread of life. He said those things. He loves you. He receives you. He wants you. Let's stand together. You might need prayer and want prayer from somebody before we're done. And it's kind of cluttered up here. So I guess I'd say meet me at the baptismal tank, which doesn't mean you have to get baptized. But listen to Holy Spirit. Don't just, don't just listen to your brain and your thoughts about embarrassment or your thoughts about, I think I can just pray my prayer. Because if, if you're the one I'm talking about right now, you already know. I have, I've tried this so many times and failed. His body was broken for you that His life might feed your spirit. That He might be your bread. That the resurrection life of Jesus might come into you. That His death would take your sin. And His resurrection resurrection life would come into your body. And you would now live same name physically the same person. But the seed of God now sown in your life, the seed of God now awake in your life. So Lord, you're our bread. As we hold these elements and receive these elements, Lord, by faith, let us partake of life in Jesus. Amen. Let's partake.
in that cup, the cup, the cup, he said, this is the blood of the covenant. It's a binding agreement. His blood being poured out is the payment for all our sin, all our missing the mark. His body being raised is the testimony to the world that I, God the Father accepted the sacrifice and now we in Him, we are in Him as we receive Him and are accepted in the Beloved Son. In Jesus' name, let's partake together. So, Father, I bless your redeeming love to flow through us. Maybe we're not delivering dinners today. But in the name of Jesus, and maybe we are, I bless your redeeming love to be in us, to be shared in our families at an increasingly high level, a higher and higher level, that we'll see you get more and more clear glimpses of you so that we can acknowledge who you are, partake of you, and share in the life that's in you. If you were physically healed today, please let us know. If you were, you were radically changed, so somehow the root is different, please testify. Please claim it as yours, and we want to know. And um, I'm going to uh, close the meeting now so we can get to the, uh, that part of the meeting. I'll be praying for people over here. I'm proud, I may need help with praying for people. If you want prayer, please come over there. If you are one of those that wants to be baptized, we can make it happen today or we can make it happen next week. It's okay. Okay, so we just want to know. The Lord bless you and keep you in ways that are, that are, restore your heart. Make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen.